For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Hi, I'm Imri, the host of the Wannabe Podcast, the podcast that takes you from where you are now to where you want to be in 30 minutes or less. Today, I am joined again by Toby Oradin. Toby is the founder and editor-in-chief of Black Ballad, which is a subscription lifestyle magazine written for black British women. Toby was named as Forbes 30 Under 30 with her co-founder, Bola Owenyi. Toby is also a freelance journalist and her work has appeared in BuzzFeed, The Pool and The Debrief, just to name a few. In today's episode, me and Toby cover why it's important to strike a balance between sharing your personal life online to propel your business. We get into the nitty gritty of crowdfunding, what considerations you need to make before launching and how to promote it. You'll learn how to handle making a mistake and the importance of not dwelling when you need to readjust your goals and your targets. We talk about why leaning into your niche is the key to your success, as well as the one thing Toby does that has been the most significant driver of growth for Black Ballad. Have a listen. Who did you want to be before you became who you are and why? Oh, who did I want to be before I became who I am today? Um, I probably wanted to be either... Oprah Ooh. or Beyonce. What? <laughs> what? Very different. Like, they are like chalk and cheese. Yeah. But you know what? They're both black women who have defined their own past. And I think they both show the differences in how you can be powerful black women. Yeah. And there's no one set formula to being a powerful black woman. And I think that's why I love looking at both of them and seeing them both as equals because they're so different. Yeah. Um, you know, Oprah, you know, she is a mogul, you know, she was the best um when she was doing her talk show and when she was doing like you know it is journalism like some people be like really it's not journalism but she did start in journalism and yeah. news anchoring and she worked her way up and um you can if you think about a talk show host everyone still says oprah's the best there's no ellen De degeneres without oprah yeah. all these chat shows that, that wendy williams yeah all, <laughs> none of them no matter how far away they are from the oprah show they wouldn't have existed without oprah and she opened so many doors i think for black women wherever they were where you you might have been in the food industry you might have been in the music industry but because she really took hold of her fate and really made sure she was you know a producer she was looking over everything she was you know the ceo of her own company it really empowered a lot of people and i think that that's why i loved her so much and yeah. um as for beyonce i am are you part of the beehive yeah i am sadly oh, so yeah i just think both of them have really um done great things in terms of being the authors of their own fates and i think 
both of them, no matter where they've got to and they've got to success, yeah. they've have been like, okay, you know what? I'm not content. I can do more. And I just think that's just such um, a great example. And I think because they're just in such both different industries and mm-hmm. carrying themselves so differently, I think they're just great examples of like working hard black women that are just winning all the time. So, I mean, I'm kind of like, more sold on Beyonce now which I didn't think hey hey okay but I love what she represents I like her work ethic uh she's an incredible businesswoman and you can tell that she really if she doesn't know something herself she at least surrounds herself with incredible yep. people who do know what they are doing and I think that's the same with Oprah like you can tell that they've got like a really good team of people around them who clearly know what they're doing and that drives and uplifts that machine I think so. And I think another thing, you know, looking at now the age of social media that we're on, what I love about both of them is that they don't rely on their personal lives. I mean, I know Beyonce used her personal life in Lemonade or whatever for her art, but Mm, you don't see them going out, giving interviews and trying to be photographed and trying to have the final word on social media like a lot of celebs are doing to kind of like, you know, draw attention they actually just are like you know what? I'm working hard on this and like if you don't like me because I don't do interviews or I don't do this that's fine like you rarely see either of them give an interview and I think that's just such a, a good example to follow like I think sometimes we rely on our you know our social media personas or our, our little bit of celeb to kind of push our uh, professions forward yeah. and I think they're great examples whether you like them or not of people that are like you know what? I'm not gonna go down that route I'm just gonna work hard and you know if you like it you like it and if you don't you don't and I think that's a lesson I think a lot of us could benefit from today I mean but then on the flip side of that if you don't give interviews and you don't like they're already machines right yeah so if someone's just starting out oh hell no you gotta like you gotta be out here working look, look beyonce <laughs> was on red carpet doing mtv interview at like she was interviewing celeb. she worked you know like she sat at the back and like she worked her way up and she's done every cover i just think she's gotten to a point now where she knows that you know look, i've worked hard enough not to do it um, and i think i think there's nothing wrong with, of having a plan and getting to that point but i think she's paid her dues i think oprah's paid her dues i think they've all paid their dues um, um, I'm not saying if you're new in the game, be like, I'm so hot, you know, don't talk to me. <laughs> so I guess ultimately with Beyonce and Oprah being the kind of people that you look up to, whose career you admire. Yep. Um, when has there been an occasion that you've kind of channeled those qualities of those two women or maybe even one of them that kind of was significant for you? Um... Like it felt like when we put out the crowdfund, we wasn't sure if people were going to respond. We wasn't sure if we were going to make our target. But what Bola and I did was that that we Bola, who happens to be my co-founder of Black Ballad and my business partner, we read around crowdfunds. We constantly, did, as soon as it was launched, we were still reading up on it. We were still looking at other people's crowdfunds, mm-hmm. what people, what people were doing, how we could make it better, how we could intrigue people. Um, and even in the crowdfund, we shaped what Black Ballad now would look like. You know, Black Ballad at the moment is a lifestyle platform for black women. And, you know, we give content events and we have a directory which gives members um, discounts to black owned businesses. Mm-hmm. The final strand of giving discounts to black owned businesses that was added in the crowdfund. Yeah. Like we constantly, like day and night, we ate, we ate, slept, and breathed the crowdfund. Like, and I think, oh god, literally, <laughs> and literally for a month, it felt so intense. That was the only thing me and him would talk about. But 
what it reminds me of is like when like like when Beyonce's on tour or when she's making an album, she's like an athlete. Like that's all she thinks about. That's all she's gonna do, and that's all she's gonna like even talk about. Yeah. And that's what we did with the crowd fund, and it was so intense. And I probably people around us probably hated us, but I had no time for anything else. I remember in the crowd fund, the only thing we did, we took one day off, which was for my birthday. Yeah. And even then, in the evening, we came home and we was like the crowd fund. We need to talk about it. Like literally, any content we could get our hands on, any sort of brainstorming we needed to do we did it and you know it did pay off in the end we reached the target um the target we wanted to reach um but yeah like just being so consumed with a project yeah and giving more than what you think you have um which I think is something I'm not trying to compare myself to Beyonce so people don't come for me but like I think that's what <laughs> I <her> see <laughs> I think that's what I see in Beyonce when she does an album or when she's talking about her work is that she's so consumed to it she gives everything to it yeah um, and she's so committed to it so that commitment that we gave to the crowdfund is what I would compare to that's a beautiful juxtaposition I Ooh. like using the word juxtaposition yeah yeah I like that a lot I think having that athlete mindset like yes. you, like you said because you i very rarely do i think about athletes but what they do have is like endless endurance and the ability to just yes. keep going and there's almost like something i don't want to say something has to break but it's almost like there is a barrier that you have up in your mind that you really have to just push through mm. i don't think there's been a moment in the running of this business that's kind of no, it was the festival. I can't lie; that festival broke my whole spirit. But it was, but it was a be- it was a learning experience. It was a learning experience, but it was also incredible. Yeah, in so many ways. Like for all the things that went wrong with that festival, there were so I, many things that went right. So like infinitely more things went right, and it's mm. only now, a good four months later, that I can sit there and be like no that was an incredible fate like yeah yeah i think there's something to say about like the endurance that it takes to kind of focus kind of laser focus yeah. on your goals um i know that you guys did readjust your target what was that like it was a learning experience the reason we readjusted our target is that we this sounds really stupid now in like looking back but we didn't look at how many digital subscribers um mainstream magazines had mm. They hardly have any. Oh, interesting. And we was thinking, that doesn't make sense. Why have we got a target that's like, like it was 10,000 wasn't our target, but like 10,000 digital subscribers. But yeah, Marie Claire, which is for the majority of women, yeah, only has a thousand digital members subscribing. Oh, wow, really? That's and tiny. like, I don't know if it's that number now or what, like it was kind of like, so they've been doing it this this long. They have this budget. They have this backing behind them. And who are we? So then it was just, it was a reality check. Mm. It was a reality check to say as much as Black Ballad is great and we want it to be big because our audience is a smaller proportion, mm-hmm. you know, we have to have smaller targets. So it was a reality check. It wasn't even a, it didn't make us sad or anything. If anything, it just showed us, okay, that was an area where we didn't do our research beforehand. Yeah. So it just kind of made me and me and my business partner Bola think that, okay, we need to be like, there's no area, there's no stone that can be, un- cannot be unturned when we're doing a project. Like we have to look at every single thing. And I remember we told our mentor, oh yeah, we're readjusting because, I don't know, she was like, did you not look at that beforehand? And we was like, nope. 
And she was like, oh my God, okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> I remember. And um, so, yeah, it was more of a reality check. Um, yeah. And, you know, I think sometimes when you've only got a short amount of time to pull something off, you don't dwell on it. You've got people from around the world subscribing yeah. to this platform that I guess you created for and by black women. Yeah. It's so neat. Black British women specifically, actually, yeah. which is like this tiny pool of people. And why have you resisted? Because, I mean, I know you. So why have you only kept it to just black women or not? kind of at least broaden that out i think to appeal to a larger audience base yeah i think you know one thing that always irritates me mm. and i'm when i see publications for women of color mm-hmm. and then i only see black women and i'm like women of color isn't just black women it's a little bit broader yeah absolutely. um and i just thought that was just a little bit like uh, you're not really doing what you say you're meant to do. I didn't want to fall into that trap. And I think the best people to represent experiences are those with the lived experience. Absolutely. I agree. With and because my co-founder happens to be a black man, mm. um, you know, it's not, it's not, you know, a woman of another woman of color. It, I just felt that I wasn't the right person to, put those experiences and edit those experiences and um you know some people feel differently I just personally didn't feel that it was right because one of the things that I was screaming about was that there are black writers out there who have the lived experiences to write articles to write books but yet everybody who keeps profiting off these experiences whether it be in academia whether it be in publishing you know journalism Mm. are white people and I didn't want to be a hypocrite and I'm not saying that if you are doing that you're a hypocrite it it was just what what was going to let me sleep well at night and I know black women and when I say that I know black women from my identity you know as a you know working class east london heterosexual christian girl do you know what i mean i don't know every facet of black womanhood but i can relate to a lot of facets of black womanhood yeah um and i just felt if i was going to make an authentic product it was only going to be for black women um and also i think this whole women of color the anti-blackness that exists within the communities of color is never really addressed yeah and i think that sometimes lumping us all together as the other opposite white women can be quite damaging um so just those two things and i just i couldn't make peace with it so i was like i don't think it should be like that um but there are some fantastic platforms like galdam who have managed to get a collective of women from different you know backgrounds yeah and you know ha- have their input and you know live and charlie have those resources and they have those connections and kudos to them for doing it i didn't have those resources and connections so i just thought it wasn't my place hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. There's never been a faster or easier way way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care. 
PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Fair enough. I mean, I, I love Black Island. I think it's a fantastic place. I've met Thanks. some incredible people. How do you then like reach people that need what it is that you're creating? How do you market and do the outreach because i think a lot of times it can be so easy to preach to the converted yeah so how do you break out of the bubble like now you're kind of building up subscribers outside of london for example Mm -hmm. but like what was the process for getting to that um one one resource that um or one method that has helped actually is my freelance work i have always said that i write about you know issues that affect black women in white spaces and some people have been like really or like I will speak at these events and people like really because not every black woman will want black ballad um they will want to be in those mainstream spaces and want to feel like equals in those spaces and but yet they will want to be represented accurately yeah so I was like if I can write why not write there and um that has allowed me to reach black women who have seen my work on platforms like the pool or you know the independent or the debrief um and they followed me on twitter and they said okay she's doing this and then they're like oh what's black ballad so you know putting myself out in other media spaces has really helped you know broaden the outreach of black ballads yeah um besides that you know our events um you know our events we kind of see it as like um because they're open to everybody you don't have to be a member to come to an event you just get a discount if you are a member yeah and a lot of the time people have like stumbled across the events on eventbrite and then they've been members because they've been to these events yeah so we understand that events are really important and next year we'll be doing more events outside london um that's cool i'm really excited about that so events and you know social media is you know it makes the world smaller it is tiny out there in these Twitter streets. Yeah. Yeah. And um, that can be, uh, you know, that's its pros and cons. But I, I can never deny how social media has helped the growth of Black Ballad and the outreach. You know, if there was no social media, Black Ballad wouldn't be where it is. Um, so definitely, as I said, my freelance work has probably been the most powerful in terms of getting out to people who don't know what black ballad is Mm -hmm. um but then it's events and it's social media um that have also helped i think that's so smart that you i like that you were able to articulate that as beautifully as you did for a start not to say that you you are articulate in that derogatory that patronizing way no i don't don't Uh, worry um yeah no i because I would never, I always knew that you freelanced and wrote for all of these amazing publications, but I never knew the reason behind it. Um, and not that I ever frowned upon it. I thought, oh, look at Toby, she's over here. She's over there. Yeah. She's, doing, she's doing bits. You know, some some people, I, some people were like, why though? And then like, there are multiple reasons why, but I think that's one thing when you are growing your business. Mm. I think you have to understand that there are many sort of, you know, layers in order to make many pieces of the puzzle that will make it complete. Yeah. Um, and 
I always knew, and funny enough, my co-founder, when I said the plan was always to write for mainstream and have that ballad, he didn't get it at first. And he was yeah. like, really, do you need to? But there are some things I've done on the mainstream that I've had to make a tough call. Do I pitch that to mainstream or do I write on Black Ballad? And I've and sometimes I've said, you know what? Like, I'm going to write for Black Ballad. Like, the article that I will always say that changed my career. I wrote a piece for BuzzFeed yeah. about the fact of that my parents who brought me up are actually white and they're not yeah. black. And I remember writing it and was like, am I going to put it on black? Like, I always thought, should I write it? And then I was like, I pitched it to BuzzFeed and it went viral. And I remember people, editors got in touch with me like, do you want to write for me? Do you want to write for me? Wow. And I knew it wasn't supposed to be on Black Ballad. And from that, people followed me. And some of those people that followed me are actually even members today. Yeah. And like, I think I've seen the power of sometimes, it feels like you're taking a hit for Black Ballad when you're not writing for it. Yeah. But I know that sometimes it the end goal is greater. Yeah. Um. So, you know, some people don't, think it's worthwhile writing for mainstream but i do because it's it's a part of the plan it's a part of making sure black women are represented accurately as well yeah um and i don't think black ballad should be the only space that has black women's voices anyways absolutely um so i want to know what the worst advice you've ever received was and what the best advice you've ever received was worst advice was i know who gave it i won't say who gave it I asked this person who is at probably the forefront of our community, mm. um, you know, how to grow my business, social media. That's all you need. Really? Okay. Um, it's, I, I just think, I just think people <laughs> have like a, like people give social media such weight and it, you know, it's a part of the puzzle, but it's not, the biggest piece i don't think or the most important piece yeah Um, don't get me wrong it's a very important piece but i think there are other things that are just as important like what um (laughs) it's an actionable podcast okay so i think one one thing that a lot of people don't probably give as much weight to is probably like your target setting and your end goal Mm -hmm. and working out your plan um working out your plan towards that end goal like i know I know where I want to be in five years with Black Ballad, if that makes sense. I want to work towards it. Um, and I think also having a good business model. Like, what's the point of being on social media and being like, oh yeah, I've got this business, but you have no idea where you're going to make your income from. Yeah. Because that's what I did. I was on, you know, Twitter, you know, Instagram without a business model, without mm-hmm. an idea. And I was just creating content, which was good content. Um, and yet there was no, there was no money coming in. Yeah. Like, I just don't get how that person thought like saying social media will fix all my problems. Yeah, no, that's definitely not how that works. Yeah. Social media hasn't even been the sole reason for my growth. Like, yeah, we're a very social media podcast, but it's not, it's yeah. not the only reason we've grown. So yeah, that. I think it was just disappointing that from who it came from anyways. Interesting. Um, but then maybe not. Um, so, <laughs> so yeah, the best advice, um, the best advice I've ever had. Um, it's not like someone gave me 
like this advice but i saw a quote that like really helps me is that don't don't expect everybody to see what you see because god only gave you your vision yeah and i'm I'm a christian but i think that's one thing like only you know your vision Mm -hmm. like sometimes sometimes we can get so upset when people don't get like our business or don't get why we've made decisions in our business but then sometimes you have to take a step back and be like but like that's not their vision yeah like i've had to really come around to that way of thinking as well that's not their vision so of course they don't get it i'm not saying that everybody can be totally wrong um if they don't get like there's things that we've done where people have been like that don't make sense um and like you know what like what what can I say so I remember I used to kind of use my friends as like um focus groups in Black Ballad yeah and I remember and you know an illustrator gave me um the logo for Black Ballad it wasn't always two b's it was a girl with a a ponytail and it It was was. a silhouette yeah and it was like a very very wavy ponytail and I knew something was off right and this was like three four years ago and i knew something was off but i couldn't articulate it then because being woke is a journey let's be real yeah <laughs> and one of my friends said my one of my friends really fought for it and said that's the wrong logo that's not that's not right like she really really fought for it yeah and then i had an illustrator in my ear being like no because, and i was like but and I, and, it, and I was like really really and one of my friends really fought and said don't use it don't use it and what happened i'm so intrigued we scrapped it and it was the two b's we went with two b's instead yeah but what wasn't right about it i'm actually trying to search the internet because it 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 bent to eurocentric standards of hair oh interesting and but i couldn't see at the time so not all the time but sometimes when you do actually have really close people who you really tell your vision to sometimes they can see things that you might not be able to see because you're so in the thick of it. And that's what the best example I can give. And my friends, like my friend, she's my one of my best friends. I went uni with her, her name Charlene. And she said, don't use it. Don't use it. And she kept saying it. And it was like, she was like, literally kept going on. She's like, it's the wrong logo. And then my best friend saw it and she said it was the wrong logo. And then I was like, okay, there's two people that said it. And I went to every one of my good girlfriends and actually all the girlfriends, most of four of them are on my bridal train actually. And they all said, don't use it. And I was like, okay, this is the one time when I'll take their advice. And I thank God I took their advice, but because I had laid out my vision to them so much, they, they just saw something that I couldn't see at that time. Yeah. Um, but that's, you know, that's a really great example for me. But sometimes you just have to know when people are totally wrong. Like, hey. And that was like some really good advice. Like, yeah. So thanks for sharing that. Uh, so many things I thought about and I was like, ugh. All right, Toby, that's pretty much everything I have for the podcast. Oh, really? Okay. Thank you so much for having me. You are welcome. Now you have a few more tips to grow your audience and build your communities. You can follow Toby on Twitter and Instagram at I am Toby Origin. That's I A M T O B I O R E D E I N. And you can find out more about Black Ballad by visiting blackballad.co.uk. I highly recommend checking out the content there. It's amazing. If you like how this podcast is made and you think you can do what I do, then you need to reach out to the Shout Out Network. Find out more about membership by visiting shoutoutnetwork.co.uk. If you're enjoying this podcast, please do leave a review on iTunes. I've seen a couple come through, so thank you so much. And I love reading them, so please do keep bringing them in. 
To get extended show notes listing the tools and resources we've talked about in this episode, visit wannabepodcast.com. Show notes are updated every Wednesday. Thank you so much for listening. Bye. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.